The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Welcome on Tuesday Gamer Edition. Great to have you with us tonight. We did the NBA cast earlier and what turned into a massive blowout. Toronto taking care of the Clippers. We'll touch on that game some later on. Uh, but first, I think we should talk about the other big game of the night. There are only three, but that's always nice on Tuesday. You can watch all of them. And that is Houston and Portland. A 111-104 Houston win. And Houston's bench, we've been carping about how bad their depth is all year but they went up against the Blazers bench and uh, that proved to be curative at least for one night we could start this with a little game which is I'll let you pick do you want to guess the offensive rating or do you want to guess the net rating of the Blazers when Damian Lillard was out he didn't play for nine minutes of this game well it's going to be pretty massive uh, because yeah and you know 39 minutes for him and CJ as well in a game that wasn't that close down the end Dame was plus seven in 39 minutes they lost by seven so negative 14 over eight minutes that's not very good i'm gonna say the net rating oh somewhere around negative 100 negative 87.6 and an <laughs> offensive rating of 55.6 oh man well and, and the defense and, re- and remember that bad. some of that run some of that oh yeah de- what 143.2 um and and also worth noting that some of the collapse that happened at the end of the first quarter because the blazers came out hot i mean they were they were dominating the game early and they were up i think was something like 22 to 22 to 12 versus 27 to 12 or something like that yeah th- and then they came most of the way back is, is what it was yeah, 27 to 12 they, they went on a 23 and, to 6 run uh midway through the first and it looked like it was headed towards another just desultory houston defeat right and then houston cut it all the way to a two-point margin and chris paul missed a three that actually could have given them a lead before the end of it and that collapse started before willard went out of the game it's really it kind of started when i think cj went out a little bit before dame did and they were they were already hemorrhaging some of the lead some of that is, is like you could have interpreted it as a dead cat bounce just the rockets couldn't have played as poorly as they did at the very beginning of the game and the blazers were hitting everything that changed a little bit but this is something we talked about a couple days ago in the 15 and 60 is just the theory of portland's non-dame non-cj units was always dicey because the the playmaking load, especially Seth Curry, wasn't on the floor for all those minutes. They were playing Evan Turner as really the only guy who could create a shot, and it's hard in those lineups. And the the Rockets have capable players, and they, as we expect, they've been running a short rotation. And so, yeah, I, I thought that this was a mix of the Blazers guys really struggling, the Rockets doing well, and the Rockets having a capable steward on the floor at all times because of the stagger that D'Antoni runs with Chris Paul and James Harden. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, Harden ended up negative uh, 15. But uh, back to your observations on the Blazers. It was looking like it was going to be okay at first, right? They tried a number of things that we probably thought were unorthodox, right? They went away from the Dame CJ stagger early in the season. They've now started to walk that back a little bit, especially in second halves. Um, And it was doing okay, but they also just had an unsustainably good defense early on. They never had a, a good offense. And this isn't a second unit that has these unbelievable defensive players on I mean, you got Stauskas, Seth Curry, you know, that's not going to be a, just a, a ridiculous second unit necessarily. Myers Leonard is getting a lot of time there early on in the season. Jake Lehman is playing a little bit. Now they've gotten to Harkless with that group a, a bit more. But 
you'll recall also that they let two stalwarts from last year's bench which was i thought was competent they had restricted rights on both of these guys both of those guys ended up signing basically minimum contracts with non-guaranteed second years uh shaz napier in brooklyn and pat Connaughton, who wasn't playing at all in milwaukee and then it had emerged to be a big part of a rotation for the team with the best net rating in the league and the theory now is that evan turner is going to run the point they'll play stauskas and curry off the ball and you know stauskas had that great start which i'm sure we'll always remember against the lakers where i think he had six three-pointers in the first half against the lakers on opening night but you know since then he's been nick stauskas and you know they're willing to give stauskas guaranteed money why they wouldn't have just exercised their restricted rights on napier and Connaughton and you know worst case go into the season with them uh, on those qualifying offer contracts they basically had one-year deals uh, and, and they still could have brought curry in even had they done that i just don't understand why they let those guys go and i think it's really hurting them now and while zach collins has played well uh, overall I, I he has exceeded my expectations broadly speaking he sucked tonight though they also oh, lost he sucked tonight they they let ed davis go as well yeah and that took away another reliable source of quality play yeah. They didn't replace him either. Lehman only played, I think he played in the that first half stretch when Dame was out and he didn't really do much, took a couple of shots. But, and wasn't really particularly strong on the defense of it either. I, what I recall is that he played in the first half, did not play in the second yes. half. And Portland, and there were a lot of things in this game. It's unfortunate because there were there were a lot of things that like the starters in particular did well. There were some great finishes. That Dame reverse was completely ridiculous. He hit a couple of just fantastic threes in this game. Nurk was inconsistent, but he did get to the line and had a, had a, he had a couple of better passes than I remember from him. But it, the question for the Blazers has been, and it's been this way for years, is just what can they get from everyone else? And we've seen Stotts pull bench players before, and maybe some of these guys are really going to step up, but they're going to need that because the lineup they have now, even when they're healthy, because remember now they're top five, those guys, maybe they're not healthy, but they're all playing. And that is, you know, they're going to have to beat good teams in order to get to where they want to go. Yeah, I mean, they really haven't had any injury problems. Like Harkless struggled and, and you know, didn't really play much the first month of the season. He looks okay now, finally. Um, and But they were playing well the first month of the season. So you can't say that like his injury really hurt them that much. Um, yeah, and I mentioned Collins. I mean, he's, he's just very inconsistent. It, it wasn't fouls that did him in this time. You know, that happens in a lot of games. But just, you know, he, he was negative 15 and had some pretty atrocious plays around the rim where he just didn't get good shots um you know I, so yeah that's a concern for the blazer bench i mean now they still have a much better record than the rockets do they're 15 and 12 rockets are 12 and 14 uh after this win so the, the rockets still have a, a long way to go here they also lost james ennis with yet another recurrence of that strained right hamstring he was going for a loose ball and you could tell immediately what it was as he reached back for that hamstring so he's going to miss at least a few days and uh you know may may be smart to have a miss more than that uh, the rockets don't seem to be amazing at uh managing hamstrings <laughs> so that they might want to get started giving him a little more rust there um what else you got on this one i think going along with the story of portland's bench the competence of houston's was important and yeah. a i thought gave them really good minutes i mean sure plus minus might overstate a little bit but i thought he just did a really nice job on both ends of the floor was able to be aggressive when necessary and also not be be completely reckless you know wasn't throwing the ball around he did commit five fouls but that's okay not a big deal especially because you don't really want him playing more than 20 minutes now anyway so not that and he actually ended up having to play late they didn't i don't think they wanted him to go over 20 but clink capella fouled out with about five minutes to go so they went back to Danae as the game got a little bit tighter but i thought gerald green did a really nice job on both ends of the floor hit, hit his open shots but also competed defensively that was something we noted during the western conference finals that he act because of his athleticism and because of the rocket system like he can do a pretty good job if you just give him the assignments that the rockets are going to do of you know switch and then if you're on this guy just stay on this guy until somebody comes and makes you switch and i thought he did a really good job overall yeah he really dominated in the paint and that led a, a houston effort where they really just bludgeoned the blazers 64 points in the paint and also 22 fast break points for houston which you have not seen from them and this game was still played at a very slow pace uh because houston they switch a lot although not as much we'll talk about that and so that slows down the opponent's offense and then they like to dribble the air out of the ball when they're in the half court but they were able to push it a little bit and get some layups you know those count as points in the paint and then you know both capella had 13 points and nene really uh, on some of those rolls down the the lane it was excellent gerald green had like a nice tip dunk uh 
Harden and Gordon were able to get to the rim. Poor Gordon just can't make a three. He's 0 for 5, but uh, that left him 6 out of 8 uh, on twos. So, uh, and they all got to the foul line too. They got 27 free throw attempts. I thought it was interesting because Portland, you know, we talk about how they were so good defending the rim last year. They were holding teams to this really low field goal percentage at the rim. And, you know, it was like just crazy outlier low and forcing teams into mid rangers You know, they're really, despite not having the greatest personnel, they were kind of, they're almost rockets like on defense where they just forced the right shots and trusted the math, even if, you know, good teams could really beat them. It was just what we saw with Houston tonight. But, you know, that to just kill them in the paint the way they did you know that's usually not what happens uh, to this blazers team um and you know it seemed like early when houston was having trouble scoring their refusal to take mid-rangers was hurting them nurkic was just hanging back they'd run these dho's out of the corner and the guy would come off near the free throw line and be pretty open nurkic would just be hanging back and he just you know didn't want to take it because houston doesn't take mid-rangers and they'd dribble into trouble and, and get stopped uh, but as the night wore on it, clearly portland wasn't able to maintain that and houston was able to score to Despite Portland's strategy. Something else Yusuf Nurkic did in this game that I found compelling was he was trying to get into Capella's body more when Capella was rolling to the basket. And just as a physiological, I guess maybe kinesiological issue, if somebody's in your body, it's a lot harder to jump. And so yeah. it's also a lot. Yeah, harder some of those were probably fouls. It's a lot harder to jump when you're carrying an extra 20 pounds like Capella seems to be still maybe an extra 15. Yeah. But but like with, but with Nurk, it's this it's one of those kind of dark artsy areas that does still exist of being being near somebody, having it affect them. But but me not getting called as much. It's not as obvious as a grab or something like that. And it, it's a good way to counteract some of what Houston was doing. They were also playing like some of those times Nurkic was confident that he could was more confident that he could stop the pass by being on Capella and force Harden to take a floater. Harden makes a lot of those, but still, I, I would say that's a, a pretty good percentage bet. It was interesting to see it go on possession by possession. And something else I wanted to bring up, he ended up with a good stat line in terms of triple doubleness. You know, he almost got the Jason Kidd. Chris Paul had 11, 11, and 10. But in terms of creating separation, and I, I thought there were elements of the game where he also didn't look as impactful defensively too. This game, while the Rockets played well, did not exactly assuage my concerns about Paul when they get into higher stakes games. I'm starting to wonder about Paul. I mean, we've been noted for a long time, and I, I'm not sure. I would love to go back and look at film of him like in 08 when he probably should have won MVP and see if like his game was so extreme as far as like always wanting to go right and, and not really being able to go to his left and finish around the room. And he used to be a, a much better finisher, obviously. And then he had that meniscus injury in 2009-10 season and you know was moved into a new phase of his career after that. But We've always known, okay, Chris Paul always wants to go right. He wants to shoot that fadeaway mid-ranger going right. But I think now because he seems to have slowed down a little bit that that doesn't work as well right i mean we saw for example a couple nights ago epe Udo perfectly execute the scouting report on him and paul just tried to go right into him anyway and you know just wasn't able to create the shot um with teams switching more you know usually paul if they're playing he's playing against conventional pick and roll defense he's able to get snake the pick and roll and get to his spot on that right elbow anyway uh against portland you know you would have thought he could do that because portland plays pretty conventional pick and roll defense and you know again it, it didn't really work out and then he continues to just really struggle we talked about this in the 15 and 60 around the rim he's just not really much of a threat there any longer so and if he's not going to hit his three pointers he's 0 for 4 on threes tonight i'm sorry no he's 1 for 5 he hit a, a corner three it looks like um now maybe the shot chart is wrong because it had him he was 2 at 12 but it's got him making three anyway yeah, if he's not going to drain 40% of his threes like he did last year, he, he becomes a, a lot easier to guard. And so I mean, there's, uh, like you said, you and I have both, you even more so than me, have been so high on the Chris Paul bandwagon, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. But there's no evidence that he's breaking out of this and getting back to the level that he needs to be at. And you can say, oh, well, it doesn't matter as long as he's ready for the playoffs. I mean, he's just got to make the playoffs. I mean, that's the problem where they're at right now. Like, I mean, they need to be resting guys like James Ennis, for example, you know, Harden, obviously needs more rest paul it broke down at the end of last year anyway despite having a fair amount of rest uh but they're gonna have to push hard to even make the playoffs here and we could see guys break down even before then it's a very different challenge for them this year and 
they will. I, I feel like they will get help on the buyout market, and that will make them more viable in the playoffs. But they need Chris Paul. I mean, straight up, and they need Harden to be. He, you know, his stats are 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 pretty much in line. He's still, I think, he's slightly off the league lead in scoring, and he's been pretty efficient too. But he needs to be able to be not necessarily the guy he was in the playoffs, but like the the guy that he can be more consistently in order for this team to get close to their ceiling. And the Rockets can get there. Like I still have this belief in them like i i you know doing a tears podcast about a week ago people were surprised at how high i had them because i i do believe in what they can be but it's it's more theoretical now than it has been you know not than it was two weeks ago but still like it, it they're gonna need to figure more out and they're getting more from their bench now which is great yeah well at least in this game they did i mean they just lost three straight obviously be- right before this um a few other notes on this one the rockets have definitely changed up their scheme basically anything involving harden they're switching because james harden just will never ever in his life get through a screen it's just not going to happen and they have confidence in him using that big body in the post harden did early in the game got torched by a couple of cuts uh, by cj but that dissipated as the game and i was impressed i mean it was on nba tv but it, we had the rockets announcers and they even were like yeah james harden just completely fell asleep on that play like they actually were uh playing it a lot less homerific uh, than they often do uh so the rockets then you know i'm not sure if it was about damon cj or if it was about just who's guarding it seems like they're trying to avoid having chris paul get stuck in the post on guys and, and you know chris has not been himself as far as like you know that real bulldog fighting and maybe if they got into the playoffs they would go back to that but they clearly seems like they don't want him in that situation and he had the matchup on lillard a lot of the time so they weren't switching on pick and rolls with lillard they're going with conventional pick and roll defense and lillard had a big game with 34 points but cj they were switching and then cj actually was torching capella pretty good on those switches and again i mean we saw it more in offense in this game but capella there's just there seem to be just a couple of plays every game where they throw up an alley-oop and he just can't quite get it you mentioned you know nurkic getting into his body a little bit uh which it might have been part of it they the telecast showed one one play where where that was particularly the case but no he just doesn't quite have the same athleticism and explosion and tim mcmahon has been all over this that he just did not come in in the same type of shape that he had been and now he also has to play a lot more minutes um ended up falling out in this one so yeah he hasn't been the same force as a switch guy and he hasn't been quite the same force getting alley-oops you know and and you know if he misses one alley-oop per game that he would have been getting like that's you know that adds up a lot uh, over the course of the season um um, I have a couple more notes here, but do, do you have anything else you want to say? Well, something I wanted to ask you about was what you thought of Yusuf Nurkic's offensive game. Because remember, that was one of those really memorable performances during the regular season last year where he was getting attacking those early seals, getting getting into position. And we're like, oh, man, the Rockets are actually vulnerable. Their switch heavy defense is vulnerable against that. I don't think we saw as much of that in tuesday's game as that i think that was in like march or something in last year yeah no I, you're, you're absolutely right about that i thought that in the first quarter especially they were throwing it to him but he was 20 feet from the hoop and he's not you know he can pass when he's handling the ball up top but once he goes into his move he's usually gonna be uh pretty much tunnel vision so the rockets were sending double teams from the the baseline causing him to spin into that you know that didn't really look real good they ended up going three and nine he also was just you know kind of quick shooting a lot of these instead of really like getting his shoulder into guys um and the Rockets don't have a ton of shot blocking uh, on this team uh, other than Capella. So I, I would have, yeah, I, I think him being more aggressive, posting up right at the charge circle, like that's where he can be effective against this team. We also thought he would be effective on the offensive glass and the whole Blazers team was in that first quarter, they had 53% offensive rebounds and 41% through the first quarter or for the first half and then Houston totally cleaned that up in the second half and they ended the game really pretty much even uh, on the offensive boards so either way so that was a, a, a blazer advantage that really dissipated and yeah I think that's all I've got uh, on this one but it's not all I've got on Quip toothbrushes probably don't think of that as a gift but an electric toothbrush is something that your giftees are going to use twice a day it's perfect for everyone who has a mouth and if they haven't used an electric toothbrush before or they're using one of those big bulky ones quip is just superior it's got just a triple a battery that lasts for three months it's basically the size of a regular toothbrush so you can take it with you very easily it's got this handy case that you can then flip around even stick it to your mirror if you're one of our urban listeners who might be renting a place that doesn't have a lot of sink space you can just stick it to your mirror and save yourself uh, some space and it actually cleans your teeth really well much better than a manual brush would 
It's got a built-in timer, so you're reminded when to switch quadrants of your mouth. It's a two-minute timer, and it buzzes every 30 seconds. So I love taking it with me when I travel. It doesn't run out of batteries. doesn't need to be charged for three months and doesn't take up any space in my DOP kit. I never understood like what DOP kit meant. Like, is D-O-P-P, like, what does that even relate to? Why is it called a DOP kit? I have no idea what the etymology of that term is. But nonetheless, that's what my mom called it, so I call it that, even though I don't understand the term. But of course, I do understand why you would want to get Quip because it starts at just $25. And yes, get Quip is easy to remember because that's the webpage, getquip.com. And that slash cap space URL will let them know that you came from us and get you your first refill pack for free. They also have a subscription program that sends you your toothpaste, sends you replacement brush heads. So you're not worrying that the bristles are all worn out. Once again, that's getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash cap space. Let them know that slash cap space url that you came from us why don't we turn to some news here now and then we can finish up with clippers toronto we can go in i don't know actually probably better to just let you pick what uh the biggest news is these days well, I mean, we can go to the the walking wounded in New Orleans. I think that's one worth watching. Their depth issues are are always a problem. Alfred Payton's still out, but each one more missed Monday's game. I, we don't know exactly what's going on there. Miritich hurt his right ankle again, so he might he might miss even more time. And then Davis played. He dropped forty one, taking a bunch of shots in Boston in a game that Boston was sitting most of their guys. We'll get to them in a few minutes and. We talked about this a little bit with the Rockets, but like the Pelicans are good. They're a team that I I really like at full strength and close to it, but they're going to have to scrap and claw for everything because the West looks like it's going to be really strong this year. Yeah, and they are playing AD a ton of minutes at this point in time. War, you mentioned we don't know what's going on. I mean, the report has been over these last couple of weeks, a lower leg strain. But he clearly hasn't been right in a while. You know, watching that Detroit game, he wasn't moving while they were playing him at the end of the game. So sounds like he's going to need some time. I'm guessing that's maybe like a calf strain, a lower leg strain. Um, and then Miritich, I mean, this is at least the third time now uh, that he's hurt that right ankle. And so he only played the seven minutes against Boston. And then Gentry says we're going to hold him out for a while. But, you know, they don't necessarily have the luxury. And we know how terrible their depth is. Again, I mean, I think when healthy, this team has probably played some of the best individual basketball games of the season. I mean, they just, especially in that 4-0 start, they looked completely unstoppable. And they've had moments. We mentioned how in the 15 and 60, how when they have their top four guys uh, on the floor, that they still look really good. When AT is on the floor, they look really good. But uh, when... He's not there. I mean, they, you know, that's a game against Boston with all those guys sitting that they probably should have won. So maybe let's turn to Boston now. And I will note quickly that Miritich has already been ruled out when we're recording this for their game on Wednesday against Boston. Yeah, no, no, no. Or no, sorry, no, yeah. for their game, serve their their game, their next game. But he is ruled out for that game. I think it's I can't remember who it's against. Um, Boston. Yeah, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries, and Gordon Hayward is sick. But that's not that that's going to get better. Aaron Baines is questionable dealing with his ankle thing. But then the most concerning one for me is Al Horford because knee tendonitis. You've heard us talk about this with Victor Oladipo. Management of it is really difficult because at a certain point, the body just needs to rest. And one of the differences, I mean, sure, Indiana has lofty aspirations this year, is Boston has to be thinking about this for Horford as he needs to be right in May and June because that's when they're going to need him the most. I mean, I, among the myriad injuries that I've suffered in my life, uh, left knee tendonitis is one. And I mean, it really, you know, it was one of those things where like, okay, I would take a couple of weeks off and then I'd come back and it like, it felt good enough to play that time, but then it would be sore again. Or I'd do a one foot takeoff on that, that leg and uh, kind of tweak it again. And eventually, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen to Horford, but you know, it took me about four months of just not playing and rehabbing for it to get back to where, you know, I wasn't experiencing pain regularly. And so it sounds like he's now reaching that point. I mean, he's gotten days off. They're trying to management, but it's starting to feel like they should shut it down for a certain amount of time here. And I mean, they're, they've been playing well recently shooting extremely well from three-point range in this recent run about 47 percent over like the last five games uh, as they've really improved their numbers but i don't think that they are necessarily going to get the number one seed even the number two seed to me uh, doesn't seem that close so 
it's much more to me about just having Al Horford be right, especially defensively at, at that center position when the playoffs roll around. I, that's more important to me than seeding. And I think, you know, hopefully they will come to that realization because it just doesn't seem like a day of rest here and there are going to get it done for getting him back where he needs to be. Also with Boston, uh, Gershon Yabasele, he's going to miss a few weeks uh, with an ankle injury. You'll recall that they did not decline uh, his fourth year option. Um, and uh, Aaron Bain should be back on Wednesday. I think you mentioned that. And they've at least, thankfully for them, at least Daniel Tice has been back and giving them uh, some solid minutes here. Another kind of recurring injury that we should keep an eye on, John Wall. So we talked last week to Candace Buckner about what's going on with his left heel, and he said it's like a bone spur and admitted that he probably should not have played. And he ended up sitting in their game against the Pacers with left heel soreness. And we'll just have to keep an eye on it because he's an incredibly important part of their success, partially replacements and all that. They did succeed more than I ever expected without him last year. But Wall's extremely important. And, you know, with a guy with his kind of contract issues, you always want to keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, this doesn't sound too great. And, And it could be one of those things where if they fall out of it, they shut him down for the season and you know maybe even ends up having surgery I mean, it says that he's been dealing with this in the past in addition to this season then Otto Porter left the Indiana game he's a day-to-day with a, a knee contusion for Toronto Kawhi Leonard did not play tonight he had a sore right hip I noticed this in the Milwaukee game that in a fast break late in the game he kind of came down funny on it after getting fouled and was limping around. So it wasn't just like, oh, he doesn't want to play in LA or, oh, it's back to back. He's looking for an excuse to not play. Uh, clearly, there was something there. Uh, and so he ended up not playing. Uh, we'll see whether he's going to take the floor tomorrow night against Golden State. I just kind of have this feeling, especially with the way they played Lowry a ton of minutes in the game against the Clippers, that they may just like sit everyone against Golden State tomorrow. Uh, we'll see there. Um, What's the latest on the Trevor Ariza sweepstakes? Well, we got a potentially important data point that Ariza didn't play in their loss to San Antonio and also does not appear on the injury report. And that's notable, you know, guy starting starting small forward and as bad as they've been. Yeah, and they got to, the TJ Warren played a good game and there, there are a few other things from that one. But I don't know, whenever it's close to a time that a guy like could be traded and there because December 15th is the first day it could be traded. Theoretically, an agreement, they could already have an agreement on a trade now. I don't think that happened because usually it can't be held under wraps this tightly. But we'll keep an eye on that. They have, I believe they have one more game on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday before the December 15th de- deadline when they can start moving him. So keeping an eye on that. And then there was a, a note that John Gabdoro tweeted out and this is his feeling. He didn't, he didn't say like sources or anything like that, but his feeling is that the Suns aren't interested in adding more projects to their roster. They want guys they can play now. And so he singled out as saying, said that he doubts that they would go after Marco Fultz or even Lonzo Ball. Now, do I think that's where the sun should be? No, but I think that's a good, it's, it's good because John usually has a good handle on wh- on what they're thinking. And that's the most important thing here. It's not what they should do. It's what the people who would make the decisions want and what they prioritize. Yeah. And Kevin O'Connor uh, of the ringer saying that he's hearing that some executives believe that it's done and Ariza is going to LA, uh, but they're still trying to work out the exact parameters. I, I still color me skeptical there uh, because I just, I'm not sure what the conception is that makes sense for Phoenix, but you know, it wouldn't be the first time that a team made a dumb trade to help out the Lakers, uh, Jordan Clarkson. Um, so uh, maybe, or, or that, it, or that a GM made a dumb trade in a way that benefited a former teammate. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened either. <laughs> I don't know if the KG trade was a dumb trade for for Mikhail. They they got back some pretty good pieces at the time from uh from Boston. Uh Jimmy Butler left last night's game against Detroit although Blake Griffin sat that game and they won anyway. Uh he is doubtful against Brooklyn. Did have an MRI, no structural damage, whatever that means, which I mean I guess that means it's not totally torn like if there's a strain that is, you know, a slight tear. Uh Butler generally misses his 15 games a year. He's already uh during the general sort days missed a few in minnesota so he's on track to do that again uh you have to imagine that if it was bad enough that he couldn't return in that game against detroit that and he's doubtful against brooklyn that it's probably going to be like a weak injury you would think at least i mean generally if someone has to leave a game with a muscle injury you know that's usually a weak injury uh what else we got here 
Rajon Rondo is still a little ways away. He had to get his right hand drained. He's going to miss at least the Lakers' next two games. Brandon Ingram is still out for a little while longer as well. And on the more positive side, Victor Oladipo was listed in a more specific way on the injury report for the first time since that indefinite absence thing that they put out a, a couple weeks ago, which concerned, or that might have been a week ago, that concerned both of us. And he played a little five on five. They want to just see how he responds, but it seems like he's feeling better than he did after the workout that led to that indefinite absence. Yeah, Jay Michael was saying that Oladipo was pretty despondent after he tried to give it a go, ramping up his activity when the Pacers were on that road trip and the knee really responded very poorly. But uh, it's night and day, apparently, between then and now. So his return does sound relatively imminent. The Clippers, Lou Williams missed tonight's game with the hamstring. uh, And you have to imagine he's going to miss some time here. He couldn't return against Phoenix, didn't play tonight against the Raptors. Jerome Robinson might have actually gotten a little bit of time. Probably not, though, because they still have uh, Teo, who was uh, incredibly fun tonight, if not overall incredibly effective. He had just that crazy run to get the Clips back into it at the start of the second quarter. But uh, Robinson is is out with a foot injury. And then Luke Mbamute, the first we've heard on him in quite some time, Doc Rivers saying he could be back in the next couple of weeks he actually is uh making some progress here some troubling news uh, out of memphis uh, as marcus sola has struggled of late well yeah this is a line that that chris harrington has been doing a good job of following up on that marcus sola sprained his ankle against toronto and then i think it was i think they had an off day and then but he played the next game and played 47 minutes and that he's been in this downturn it's something that has come up during the show and Memphis, he is so important to their team. They've suffered as well. And it does seem like the timeline syncs up with that spraining the ankle, playing 47 minutes on it shortly thereafter. Yeah, he hasn't scored more than 15 points and he's had four of 14, one of 13 and two of six shooting performances. Only been over 50% in one game uh, since that 47 minute game. And was that, yeah, that was the crazy game where they... Uh, Memphis blew the seven point lead and they went in overtime but so he still would have played 42 minutes in regulation in that game and yeah I mean he just he had been the fewest minutes that he had played in like the 12 games before that was 35 and that's just so many minutes for any seven footer in today's day and age and especially one with a history of foot problems with uh, his size so uh, and hopefully having Noah they can reduce his minutes a little bit now Uh, we'll see whether he needs to like take a little time off though uh Milwaukee Pat Connaughton we wondered why it was that Sterling Braun moved ahead of him in the rotation and Tony Snell moved ahead of him in the rotation against Toronto it's because he tweaked a knee against Golden State and then could only play five minutes against Toronto he did not play against the Cavs and nor did Giannis Antetokounmpo who missed the Cavs game with a sore neck probably more of just a rest thing there but it's nice that the Bucks are actually like good enough to say all right Giannis you know it's fine we don't need you against the Cavs we're still gonna beat you anyway and they uh handled the Cavs uh, pretty adroitly despite his absence and theoretically if they wanted to they play the Cavs again on Friday so they could play Giannis against Indiana on Wednesday and then sit him again discretionarily if they want to the Knicks uh Alonzo Trier Iso Zo who had played well looking like he's gonna miss a couple weeks with a hamstring with Trey Burke uh looking like he's got a grade one MCL that he's been out for a week and probably out for another week or so. Frank Nilakina back in the rotation, had a career high 18 points on uh, four of four three-point shooting the other night against Brooklyn before fouling out. So we'll get a chance to see a little bit more of him and maybe even a little more of him at point guard. In Dallas, Dirk Nowitzki is now listed as something other than out for the next game. He is questionable for their game against Atlanta on Wednesday. Dennis Smith will still miss that game with the wrist issue. And unfortunately, we got a more specific timeline with Paul Millsap. We knew that he had a broken toe. Now the reporting is that he will miss four to six weeks, which is rough for the Nuggets. They're just they're, that's a lot to take in. Mo Bamba in Orlando's blowout loss in Dallas on Monday did not play. He was benched due to a violation of team rules. So it was late for their walkthrough that morning. The Heat currently on a West Coast trip. Hassan Whiteside has yet to join them. He missed a couple of games for the birth of his son and should be rejoining the team pretty shortly here. He also had an incident shortly before leaving the team where he actually left the bench with like 40 seconds left in the game, claiming that he had to go to the bathroom. Uh, but that seemed like 
it was not something that Eric Spolstra bought uh, saying that, you know, what Hassan did was, was unacceptable. So it'd be interesting to see with the Heat playing better. They had a close loss to the Lakers. I mean, that game, d- did you watch the end of that game, that Lakers Heat game last night with the last I, ever? I did not. Yeah, the, the last ever Dwayne Wade. LeBron only caught the last two minutes, but it was basically Dwayne and, and LeBron taking ridiculous shots like they were in a pickup game. Like it, it was like the end of the 92 All-Star game with like Magic going against uh, Isaiah and Jordan and just like like throwing up a shot at the end except it was like a competitive nba game that was close down the end uh with their teammates just basically like scrambling around trying to like get the ball and give it back to them and play hard defense while lebron and Lloyd like didn't even appear to be taking it seriously it was a really weird ending uh, uh but nonetheless the P- heat have played better they blew out the clippers and played the lakers pretty close lakers have been playing well recently uh with the Olenek and bam manning the center minutes and uh tyler johnson still been in and out of the lineup but this time it's a hip injury and, and i think well certainly that four-year 50 million dollar deal is gonna go down as a pretty rough one although not one that we had an enormous issue with at the time if we're being honest uh, at least i didn't just do, do that crazy 2016 environment but I think he was a, a, an effective player back then. He has been when healthy, but he just injuries have been a big part of why that contract has looked even worse for the Heat uh, than it would have uh, had he been healthy because he just you know, he always seems to have some ailment, including last year in the playoffs when he basically like had to tape his thumb and use like a piece of tape as his thumb ligament to try and play last last playoffs. The other thing that really didn't help Miami there. Of, especially because it actually arguably led to them spending in 2017 was the structure of the contract because at that point teams were not allowed to change the structure because when when guys signed those arenas limited contracts and the Brooklyn Nets signed Johnson to that offer sheet when Miami faced the decision of just matching it or declining it and so that those big spikes made make the contract even more expensive these years and that certainly brings challenges disappointing in Cleveland Tristan Thompson I think has had a a, a nice if underappreciated season because the team has been so awful. And he sprained his foot. He is out two to four weeks. David Nwaba is still missing time. I think they've missed his his activity on the defensive end. And there was a report that the Rockets have exploratory interest in J.R. Smith, something that I would be extremely dubious of. Not that they have interest, but in terms of actually making a deal, because the threshold for Houston is, can this guy help us in the playoffs? And the answer with J.R. Smith is mostly no, but we'll see. And one of the benefits of J.R. Smith is that he makes less money next season than Brandon Knight. So theoretically, maybe something along that structure where they're actually the primary benefit of the deal is saving money maybe that would be a way that that could happen yeah that's a possibility david nawaba has missed eight straight with uh, a the nebulous sore right knee and much like with the bulls last year you know they, the bulls played some of their best ball with someone who could actually defend on the wing and play hard and the Cavs, to the extent that they've played well this year a lot of that's happened with nawaba on the floor we noted that he was one of the only calf with a positive net rating at one point i'm not sure if that's still true or not but uh speaking of nawaba's former team after losing to the kings <laughs> the kings were just uh making fun of them by saying uh yeah looks like another two and a half hour practice uh, for them tomorrow uh but maybe that won't happen anymore because a leadership committee has been formed which will take team-wide issues to coach jim boylan it's just amazing how like all, all this stuff is getting out uh and you know i'm sure that just like you know in all of our day jobs at corporations as long as there are committees and meetings involved uh, everything will be solved Maybe they need a committee to figure out where all the leaks are coming from. Something we should talk about for the the Denver, sorry, not the Denver Nuggets. We already talked about their injuries. The Detroit Pistons, they're just dealing with a bunch of stuff right now. And and it's going to get worse because now Ish Smith has a right adductor tear. So he's going to be out at least two weeks. Maybe it'll linger, which is a big problem because he's really helping them. And they don't really have a replacement that I can tell on roster. Maybe they turn more to Jose Calderon. is their third string yeah i guess but he's been playing i mean he is a replacement is he he has been playing yeah yeah and they're but they're dealing with a bunch of other stuff bullock has missed four straight games with an ankle issue gr3 is dealing with an ankle issue and remember that kept him out most of last year stanley johnson is probable on wednesday but has missed their last three games with a knee contusion blake griffin it looks like more discretionary rest against the the sixers but he did rest and my good friend henry ellenson sprained his ankle while replacing blake griffin in the game against the sixers that he did not play yeah so uh, luke Kennard, bruce braun have been the beneficiaries Kennard did have 28 uh, on monday uh, as they 
just didn't have anybody available against the Sixers really and, and there's a report from Vincent Ellis that they're shopping Ish Smith which that's another one of these that seem I mean I understand why the Suns are shopping Trevor Ariza just the Lakers don't make a ton of sense to me as a destination for the Suns but Ish has been shooting the three better like their bench has been statistically what's been keeping the Pistons above water to a large degree here uh you know he is an expiring contract but uh, I mean can you think of a logical structure for the Pistons trading Ish other than we're giving up on the season and trading this guy to a team that could use uh, some point guard help I mean I, I'm not sure what else they would hope to get from him that's like going to help them this year they need him this year Agreed. And capable point guard play is extremely important unless they're making a big, big bet on Jose Calderon, which which maybe they are. And yeah, I mean, Detroit, there are many reasons why they shouldn't give up on the season, but a big one is they're above 500 and it's going to take probably lower than a 500 record to get there. Yeah, they've lost five straight, but I still I still think they're a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. So maybe this is just trying to feel out value and get something for it. But I don't know. I, I'm 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 skeptical of this. If you didn't trade for Blake Griffin and have his contract on your books for the next four years to chase the A seed, what'd you do it for? Marquise Chris uh, has been unavailable for Houston uh, with an ankle injury as their fourth string center. And we could finish this up with the Atlanta Hawks. There are another team with a bunch of guys out right now. Torian Prince is dealing with this ankle sprain. He's he's going to miss more time. Jeremy Lin is has missed two straight with a back issue. He is out again on Wednesday. Mari Spellman has missed three straight with a hip injury. He is also out against Dallas. Poitras has an ankle issue, and Miles Plumley is out for a week for a, a, a knee thing, but it was specified that it wasn't, I think it was something weird, like it was specified that it wasn't a procedure. It, it, was, like, it was a, non-surgical, a non-surgical procedure, yeah. So he'll be reevaluated. So, but he's out for a week. week. But yeah, I'm not yeah. sure exactly what that was. Did they just like rub his knee really hard or something? Or All right, sorry, that joke is beneath me. Um, We record this show really late at night a lot of times, as we are tonight. It's 11.33 p.m. as I say this. Um it's nice to actually be able to get to sleep after the show but you know having this is my job and you know i think for most people right after you finish your job you're not really ready to to go to sleep so sometimes i'll have some trouble falling asleep and i need my eight hours otherwise i find that i really start to deteriorate and especially just in this profession now where i'm talking all the time if i don't get enough sleep i can tell that there's just a lot of degradation in how good i am on the show or especially doing the live show i really need to have gotten enough sleep so this is why we're excited to partner with calm which is the number one app for sleep meditation and relaxation it's named app of the year by apple last year if you head to calm.com slash cap space, you can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including sleep stories, which is bedtime tales for grownups that are designed to quiet your mind and relax your body. You can head to the lavender fields of France with Stephen Fry or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from J- Game of Thrones. I really hope Jerome Flynn isn't the guy who plays Ramsey. That would not be relaxing. I'm sure it's not him, though. That's got to be someone who's a little more relaxing than that. And you also get access to guided meditations for during the day on topics like anxiety, stress and sleep, soothing music, uh, and more. My wife uh, is a yoga instructor. She definitely endorses me getting more into stuff like this and if you want to get more into calm go to calm.com slash cap space easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time in the program that's calm.com slash cap space this includes unlimited access to all of their amazing content it'll have you drifting off to dreamland in no time get started today at calm.com slash cap space then get to sleep and make sure you use that slash cap space url let them know that you came from us so man what an evisceration by the raptors the clippers have had a rough travel schedule lately i think they've played their last 12 games in different cities although they have had a fair amount of home games in there they've built up a nice cushion though they're still only dropped to 17 and 10 9 and 3 at home but they've had two blowout losses in their last three at home they barely beat phoenix in overtime and phoenix has not been competitive in their other games recently and this was just a shellacking 123 to 99 and uh it was a 30 point game at the end of the third Toronto just overwhelmed the Clippers. What do you got on this one? I think my big takeaway for it was that Toronto, they hit all the shots that they were supposed to hit. And then they also hit almost all the shots that they aren't supposed to hit. Like they, they had a lot of tough runners, mid-rangers. And I mean, Serge Ibaka had a wonderful game on both ends of the floor. 
Raptors ended nine of 16 on twos outside of the paint. That is significantly yeah, and, better. And they're than eight of 11 in the first half. From right. Them. Yeah. And that, so that really helped them boost up the margin. And something else that was significant for me about this game, it ended up resolving reasonably well because they didn't have to play a lot late. But because of the absence of Kawhi Leonard, they pushed pretty hard with their main guys. Lowry was, was I think, at 20 minutes in the first half. And... Danny Green had pushed hard. Van Vliet was up there. But fortunately for them, those guys did not have to play in the fourth quarter because the game was already settled. And that was actually something I I brought up on the NBA cast is when a team has a back-to-back with a challenging game the next day in travel, oftentimes what happens is it pushes to extremes because if you you don't want, you kind of don't want a close game because if you have a close game, then you might be kind of setting the table for disaster next game. Now it's possible Toronto's still going to sit those. And so what I think happened when they went out to that hot start and they were hitting every shot imaginable, then they're like, okay, we can end this early. And they absolutely did. Yeah, 33 to 17, third quarter. I thought Serge Ibaka was the, the big star in this one. 25 points in only 24 minutes. He got the start, although Valanciunas was also awesome. Uh, he really bullied uh, Montrez Harrell, who uh, was completely ineffective in this one it got in foul trouble early was just too small to deal with the Valanciunas and he only managed six points in 22 minutes well below the production that he's normally had but Ibaka I mean not only was he hitting everything for mid-range but I thought his defense game was just outstanding tonight oh yeah I mean he he was bouncing around was was getting in the middle of of different actions but also had couple of nice blocks my favorite was the one on Tobias Harris where Harris thought he had a path to the basket Serge Ibaka had no fear whatsoever he got over there and and just put his hand exactly where it needed to be knocked the ball was was a beautiful play I I thought yeah he was to me the the star of this game and but a lot of other guys for the Raptors I mean it helps when you when you shoot 52 percent from the field a lot of guys are going to look good but Siakam had some nice plays they have this game in particular even though they were missing some guys there were so many players on each of these teams that can grab and go and also just handle the ball functionally you know like that it, it was pretty remarkable and so like Siakam had some nice grab and goes Tobias Harris didn't have a great statistical night but I mean you were reminded that he can do that and then of course another thing just even though he only got two free throws every time i watch the clippers you see danilo gallinari's just in- insane foul not only foul drawing but foul seeking is is just it's ridiculous it's completely ridiculous yeah he actually last night got called for a technical for his crazy flail on a play where he actually did get fouled where he almost knocked out troy daniels and they shot a technical and were actually that's what enabled phoenix to tie the game in the last minute and send it in overtime which of course they eventually won it was also just really hot three-point shooting from the raptors so that really only came to bear in the third quarter in particular but they ended 14 out of 29 and you know some of the guys who are not amazing three-point shooters on this team got going uh, og was two for three right was two for four but kyle lowry i don't know whether he was just feeling better i don't know whether it was just with Kawhi out that he decided to attack more i don't know it was the fact that he started with van vliet and van vliet was really you know more of the main guy running pick and rolls and lowry was able to act more as a scorer but lowry did break out 21 points eight of 13 uh, and, and you'll recall how much he had been struggling to where two field goals was the most he'd had in the last four games after he had sat out with that sore back. So he still didn't look to be moving incredibly well, but certainly looked a lot better. Um, Pascal Siakam as well. I mean, the Raptors do a great job of starting him way out on the left wing, doing a dribble pitch and then letting him get ahead of steam because, you know, he's not going to pull up for the jumper, but he can get ahead of steam. And just generally a, a guy who's not as athletic as he is like Siakam or Gallo who are guarding him a lot, you know, just isn't going to be able to stop him as he gets in the lane with that head of steam. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and the Raptors defense really came to play in that third quarter as well. They got a lot of fast breaks. It just, you know, looked really good. I love watching these guys play and Van Vliet was awesome, you know, both defensively and uh, with 14 assists. I thought that the Clippers, they don't have great rim protectors on this team and so they it seemed like they were almost overreacting to the penetration of Van Vliet and Lowry I mean those guys took a a combined total of seven two-point attempts and yet had 21 assists among them you know really and they're just a lot of plays where I thought the defense was overreacting those guys especially on the Ibaka pick and pop where Harrell in particular really struggled with this where he was just trying to get in front of Lowry and Van Vliet and those guys don't want to finish at the rim and you got to be able to trust that you can get over 
over there eventually if they do decide to go all the way there and instead they're just opening up that easy pick and pop and Serge Ibaka is just you know he's awesome uh on pick and pop jumpers this year especially if you're not going to make him make a decision there was also that play where Ibaka had an absolutely beautiful semi-diagonal cut and Van Vliet found him as soon as Gortat committed a little bit it was just a really really nice read and a nice play and you already mentioned Teo a little bit but he was just a delight in the end of that I think it was the end of that first quarter popped three threes but also had a couple of beautiful assists including one that you were mad that I denigrated a little bit because it was it was kind of a pseudo no look you know he was looking the whole time until right before he threw it it's a little bit of flair but I mean Tato's just one of the best passers in the entire league he was ridiculous and then something else I mean he's had a couple of better games but I I'm very skeptical of starting Avery Bradley next to Shea instead of Patrick Beverly. Shea is is fun because he's a, a true combo guard for me. He he does a lot of initiation, but he can also defend both guard positions. And, and he, you know, he's getting better at his catch and shoot threes. Not all the way there yet, but he's getting better. And to me, Patrick Beverly is a vastly superior player. And Bradley, maybe a step back defensively, offensively, not a lot of a lot of burst, a lot of verve there. And so I think the Clippers get their best chance playing them. And also that gives Beverly a little bit more action offensively when Lou Williams is playing, but maybe that lack of Lou Williams is why they're having Avery come off the bench. Yeah, I guess, uh, or having Beverly come off the bench, you mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And Beverly, to me, I would rather have him defensively than Bradley. I haven't seen Bradley be as impactful. He certainly was in this game. He had like a couple of on-ball deflections, but that, that was about it. And he was 0 for 6. It didn't really even seem to come close on any of his shots. And Beverly, not like he was killing it offensively in this game either, but I think he's at least better as a help defender as well. You know, I actually trust him more as a spot-up guy, and I trust him to not take bad shots. He's also got a little more pick-and-roll ability than Bradley does if they need a, a secondary ball handler out there. So uh, it was uh, really a struggle for the Clippers. I don't think you can point to anyone among their main guys who played particularly well. Ty Wallace uh, did did go six for 11 and i think i didn't watch the fourth quarter but he attempted five he's a left-handed player by the way he was four of five on right-handed floaters in the first three quarters and he at least he can't shoot at all i mean he, he not even from the corner for three and he doesn't get guarded at all but he's good at cutting to the rim he's a good finisher and he at least gives them some needed size and athleticism on the wing i'm just i'm not sure how they can fit him in with this group but he's definitely an nba player and it was good to see him out there he had 15 and six although a lot of that was compiled in garbage time speaking of that boban 18 points seven rebounds almost all all of it in some form of garbage time not all of it in the fourth quarter because there was garbage time in the third quarter all right well let's not let this podcast venture into garbage time i think we've uh, done enough here for today tomorrow gonna be exciting please listen ben taylor gonna be on at least that's the plan uh, i'm uh, perhaps i'm tempting fate by violating your policy that you have on real gym radio that you don't reveal who the guest is until it's they actually come on but i, I think ben's pretty reliable uh and so uh, he and I are going to talk a about some of the rookies. Uh, he's had some observations on those. He recently did a pod on the best rookie seasons ever. Uh, and he's just a, a great touchstone. Uh, got a really good analytical mind, but also a, a great understanding of the history of the game and how stuff fits in in context and uh also pretty personable so looking forward to having him on and then the plan for thursday is shooting guard rankings we got to get into that for the beginning of the year this is about the one year anniversary when we did last time uh be very interesting to see how things have changed since then and uh, also how dumb we were so we'll add that as a category of like which ones we got the most wrong um but those always generate some controversy so thanks for listening and we'll be back tomorrow talk to y'all then Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.